this week's episode of This Is Only A Test is brought to you by the fine folks at Squarespace. Squarespace makes it easy to turn your idea into a new and unique website, showcasing your work, blog, or content. You can even sell products and services of all kinds in just a few clicks. You can customize everything from the look and feel to settings and products using beautiful templates created by world-class designers. And there's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. In fact, if you're getting married and you're in charge of making the website, I'd recommend Squarespace to make your website because that's exactly what I did. And it looked great. People showed up. (laughs) Head over to Squarespace right now for your free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code TEST to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Hey, let's start the show. For Thursday, November 16th, 2017, welcome to This Is Only A Test, the official podcast of Tested.com. I'm Norm. Joining me today is Jeremy Williams. Hello, Norm. And Kishore Hari. It's the most wonderful time <laughs> of the year. The holidays are upon us at the end of November. Actually, you know, for a lot of people, it's after Halloween, the holidays were. But you can actually start celebrating the holidays because, Kishore, you're finally wrapped up with the Bay Area Science Festival. I'm done. You're done. Congratulations. Drop yes. that science. No more science until next science year. Science is canceled till 2018. <laughs> uh, and you had your final, the culmination of the Bay Area Science Festival every year in the past couple of years has culminated in this massive event. Uh, How did it go to AT and T Park? Yeah, we do a big hands-on day at AT and T Park where all the universities and science museums uh, come together to host a free day where you get to interact with scientists and do activities. It was great. Like Thirty thousand. Oh yeah, I was one of the thirty thousand. Yeah, Jeremy and Peter. Show. Yep, and uh, I was amazed. Like, uh, you don't pay to get into the park. This doesn't happen. It was amazing. Yeah. You shouldn't I, have to pay for science. It's fantastic. Like, I showed up and I got through security, and then I um, it was I was floored. Like, I was able to walk out onto the baseball diamond. That's the thing. That's the thing that I think surprises people because you know, at, like for example, at Comic Con, uh, sometimes companies rent out. Petco Park, which is mm-hmm. San Diego's ballpark for the Padres, and but really they don't use the field; they use the mezzanine area, like where the concessions are. AT and T Park, you actually have tents and events on the field. Do people go just to say they go on the field and run around and throw baseballs? Sure, but what we do is we put a telescope between second and third base, so they have to stop and look at the sun. <laughs> so it's like it's like you can run the bases, but you're going to learn. So you're going to blind way. yourself. <laughs> you know, no one gets blinded. That was great. Wow, 30,000 people, congratulations. That's, that's fantastic. It, it's awesome. It's seven year we do it, and I think it works partially because we do it in a non-traditional science location. So just like you said, some people are baseball fans that come out, and tough luck, they look around after running the bases, and they're surrounded by science. Got to <laughs> learn now. Dude also has a camera crew following him around that projects him live up onto the big screen. A wireless yeah. system? Yeah, so I, throughout every half hour, I was doing hits to the scoreboard where I would show up and be on audio throughout the ballpark, like showing off exhibits. I definitely 
do not have a career in that. <laughs> you're, you're no ample Amy G. evidence. You're no Amy G talking no. to the home fans and, no, and giving no, out no. t-shirts. And you should have seen how flustered I was when I was trying to talk to the scientist who was dissecting a sheep brain. I'm like, I'm not sure how to go, how to do this. Hey, for sure. We have like half a dozen sheep brains in our fridge. Oh yeah, I should take those back. <laughs> I was uh, I was actually well impressed because there is about a one second delay from when you speak to when it comes out of the loudspeakers, which you hear clearly. Oh, so you get you get psyched out. So he just talks through himself, like you have to ignore yourself. It's really hard. You know, there's this phenomenon when you hear yourself played back to you, especially yes. if it's on a delay, you won't be able to speak anymore. Mm -hmm. You start to slow down, or or you change you change your speed uh, accordingly. And so I had to fight through this by basically like looking like basically shutting off my ears by yeah. just focusing on like a faraway object. I'm just like, I'm not <laughs> hearing this. I was like humming in my head. You're talking about zero self-awareness. Yeah, I think my wife says I have that. <laughs> That's very zen. Yeah. Uh, so in addition to that event, there was another event that happened this weekend. Jeremy, you were at you were at Day of the Devs. Day of the Devs is the annual uh, independent games festival held here by Double Fine. I guess, I don't know if they hold it, but they certainly sponsor it and help run it. And um, that's actually in the same neighborhood as, as the ballpark, just south of it in Dogpatch. And I took my son, as we always do, and had a great time. The, the quality of independent games, my friends, I am more impressed than ever. Like, I've always thought independent games were cool, but I've always felt like there were some compromises being made. And to, a, to an extent, there's always going to be. You're not going to be able to afford the big budget vistas and the high-res textures, geometry, the things that take brute force and man hours. But the game quality is just as, in, just as enticing. And, and the innovation. And the innovation and the graphical aesthetic that the independent games have embraced is not just 8-bit. Like, it is wide-ranging, and it is consistently beautiful now. And I, I'm just, I'm, I love that this has happened. I and feel like there's no more compromises. Any favorites jump out at you? There is a, a VR game that I got to play that was actually uh, debuted there called The Rig. Um, and they're actually a local team, so we hope to bring them in to talk to us at some point. Um, there was, I got to play UFO 50 finally, which is the game by the maker of Spelunky. Um, oh. And four other developers, they came together, and they're making 50 games, and they're combining them into a single package. And they're all uh, like SNES, maybe NES style. And but they're f complete games. Like they're saying, they're not mini games. They're full games. There's 50 of them, and you'll pay a full price for them. And like what what amazes me is about this is not the product. It's the design of it. Is like how do you not get lost in one of them? Like if you're a developer and you have to make well maybe each of them is making 10 or 15 games. How do you not just fall in love with one of them and go deep on it and make it so much better than the other ones? So that that's amazing to me. So I did ask him about that, and he said. Um, the, the developer of Splunky, and he said uh, that they designed them all ahead of time and that they just stuck to the, the designs of, of, the, of the games that they had written down, which to me is just speaks of tremendous discipline. Is, is this a thing that was open to the public too? Totally, and also free. So lots of good free events this past weekend. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, what would you do, Norm? Well, I drove to L.A. <laughs> that's not free. <laughs> no, it's not free. <laughs> I drove to L.A. at like... I started driving at 9.30 p.m. on uh, on Thursday night. Yeah. And? Yeah, and, and got there at 4 a.m. Some people go to bed then. I know. I know. You wish you were on the sleep bus, I, didn't I, you? Yeah, I totally wish <laughs> I was on the sleep bus. So I drove down with Danica and Ripley, and we did a couple things in, uh, in the L.A. area over the weekend. Uh, one, we stopped by a prop store. So a uh, prop store... Uh, 
of London. They also have an LA warehouse. Uh, you know, we see them at Comic Cons and a bunch of other um, pop culture conventions. But they have an upcoming auction that we want to check out. And we'll have a video of that soon. Of uh, almost entirety of costumes and props. Uh, I think 400 lots of costumes and props from the J.J. Abrams Star Trek film. So, oh, yeah, I touched a the lot. Original of st- Star Trek, the original Star Trek. The original J.J. Abrams. Yes, the first yeah. two. Star Trek uh, 2009 and Star Trek Into Darkness. Not Star Trek Beyond, which I love those costumes that Justin Lin had made up. But I t- handled a lot of props. And is very very. Fun. And you you already own the Anovo shirt. I do. from that. Yes, and film. I was very impressed by what uh, the, the how similar the quality was. There's definitely some differences in the stitching and even just a little bit in the fabric feel. But I think they got really close, at least with this one. Uh, but it was really cool to see things like the Kelvin uniforms, uh, a lot of the dress uniforms. Some of my favorite costumes from the Star Trek films are actually the cadet uniforms and the formal uniforms. I think I like they have a really nice, uh, nice silhouette to them. Uh, and then the phasers. Like, you know the phaser where you press the button and uh, it goes from stun to um, to kill? Don't they all do that? Uh, yes, yes. Okay. But they had one that was on, the hero one on camera. Mm. Actually functioning, functioning mechanism. Yeah. It was a real phaser that you could kill somebody <laughs> with? Totally. It's set to stun. Be very careful wow. where you point that at. Did you, and that's where you interviewed the the, the model maker who made the... No, oh, no, no, no. So that was a separate event. And the primary reason we went to down to LA was to visit DesignerCon, which is... My favorite convention of the year. Uh, it's at the Pasadena Convention Center. Uh, we're there Saturday, and it's basically artists, uh, design, toy designers, collectible designers, sculptors who set up booths. And I always describe it as like you know when you go to like a Renegade Craft Fair or um, or Bazaar Bazaar, Bazaar Bazaar. Um, and you, you see uh, like the three tables you like of like the screen printed art or like the custom sculpts and the rest are soaps and and you know woodland creatures like this is those three tables but 500 tables Jeez. and uh, couldn't see everything I wanted to I'll, I'll give out some highlights we're putting out videos this week but yes like you mentioned uh, sure I met up with Ironhead Studio then they had fabricated the uh, the headdress that Kate Blanchett wears in Thor Ragnarok now, it wasn't for all the scenes. It was a lot for the promo photos and it was stand-ins for some of the scenes. But that was it was beautiful. Beautiful. She actually wore it. It's going to be the new Starbucks logo. Yeah. <laughs> the finishing on that in particular is oh amazing. My God. And then the fact that it's, you know, it's it's all, they call it grown. So it's kind of interesting. Like the uh, the special effects industry, they don't say, they just can't say it's 3D printed. For, they say it's grown. Really? Yeah. That's their, that's their parlance. Like, oh, how, how was that made? You know, they'll say, oh, that was hand sculpted. Or, you know, that was cast. That was grown. Okay. Yeah. Can I, we can we start saying that? We could totally say so. Right. I'll try to think about that. Why do you think <laughs> they say that? Is it because like they're because printing is already so associated with like textile printing and oh. like, plotting, and or is it because there's like a mystique to the the way it comes out of the printer? Is it separating from the amateurs? Like three D printed is the word that you know anyone can use. No, I. I but well, is maybe it's it, like syllables, like, like fewer syllables. Three D printed four syllables or grown yeah it's just brevity i i like it though like I, I, i'm just hearing it more and more how'd you how was that made oh it's grown <laughs> i'm sean charlesworth <laughs> a mean, grown expert yeah i don't know i didn't didn't get to work. ask jose fernandez about that but i did chat with him um who's he's the founder of ironheart studio you know sculptor of things like the batman costumes from the the, uh, the joel schumacher days the catwoman costume from batman like, returns last year you went he had the black panther helmet he had it the black, was beautiful yep, yep they, they did fabrication for black panther for spider-man all sorts of stuff um 
it, that thing was just magnificent in person. But that's like probably the most high profile thing. There are a lot of independent toy makers. There are these two guys. They're just in L.A. Uh, designers. One's a hand sculptor. One's a, a blender sculptor. And they together made a 70-piece kit uh, hover bike kit, garage what, kit. What are you talking about? Uh, and the, like a like a like a one uh, eighth scale model kit. Okay. And they it was a garage kit, totally hand cast, all three uh, D printed parts. It's intricate and it's all open source software they use. What do you mean a hover bike? Like the Jedi thing? Uh, no, uh, it's their own design, completely their own design. Wow. Um, I'll show you a picture of it, Jeremy, so you have a a quick reference. Uh, but. Looks looks like that. Looks like very from, from out of Akira or something. Or yeah, like a futuristic Honda bike. Wicked. Um, but everything like this is something that if they have you have three D designing skills, three D modeling skills. If your day job is working for a video game company or even you know previous for a movie studio, you can make your own toys and you can make your own model kits. Yep. And they had six of them. They were printing. They were casting parts that morning. Mm-hmm. Bring them in, and they sold out at the show. So super happy for them. I met up with a, a guy who designs keyboard keycaps. Okay, now you have some experience with this because you, you have. Yeah, the- yeah. We have a friend Ryan Norbaugh who makes. Uh, he makes custom cases, milled cases, chassis, and also has made keycaps. So this guy, his whole business is modeling in ZBrush. 3D keycaps, uh, key custom keycaps for your escape key, for your pause key, and then printing them on like a form two. Mm-hmm. And he prints them 16 he at them. a time. He grows, grows them, grows, grows them, them, grows them on a form two, paints them, and sells them at like ten to thirty dollars a pop. I think that's pretty a smart. A key, a key. Well, now they're wow. they're treated like they're not straight off the the printer, right? Like he well he he he'll, 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 nice he'll do some job. F- uh, he'll nice nice painting jobs on some of them. The straight ones off the the printer, which are super clean. There's some. And I'll show you some. Uh, there's a video coming up later this week about this. But like, he, like skulls where you can see through, like the jaw, yeah. or holes in the eyes. So using a form two for it. Using a form two, and the resolution is just enough that you can get all that detail. I think it's really smart. I, I, I'm always impressed when people come up with smart businesses that rely on in- existing infrastructures like keyboards, right, right, or, right, or you know, music collections with the iPod. And there are tons of mechanical keyboard fans out there who want who who like their signature thing is not only the keycaps, they the custom caps for the rest of the typing keys, but like the one accent key in the top right or top left of their keyboard. Yeah. And um, and the fact that this guy can quit his job as a as a CG artist and oh, he's that he's that successful with he, keys? His two he he Twitch streams, three D modeling, like does tutorials. Yeah. And then he makes keyboard keys. Living the dream. And wow. his canvas is this three quarter inch by three quarter inch thing, which is Key, right, like yeah. that's his. That's his canvas. All right, it's super cool. Um, quick, quick tangent. Mm-hmm. You, since you mentioned hover bike, did you guys see the real life hover bikes? No. Oh my god, speeder bike. You mean? Yeah, speeder bikes from Star Wars. People built like a case of a of a speeder bike around either like a motorcycle or an electric bike and drove them around New York. So they're obscuring the wheels. They're making it look like they're hovering, but like they have mirrors. Pretty good uh, illusion. Yeah, it's a a really great illusion. And the the best bit is basically it's two rebels on a bike like Luke and Leia, Uh and they eventually pass like a stormtrooper just sitting there hanging out, just eating his lunch on it. That's cool. And then he like just takes off after them. I love it. There was somebody who did, uh, who was Aladdin on a floating co- magic carpet. Wasn't that Casey Neistat? No, no, that, w- no, he did like a no, s- no, no, yeah, yeah, snowboarding thing. Yes. Oh, no, no, he was Aladdin on a, yeah, but it was basically using a boosted board beneath the magic carpet. It was pretty, pretty convincing. Same idea. 
Um, I did see Thor, by the way, Ragnarok. Oh, you did? Yeah, um, I, I liked it. We are going to talk about that in I our next segment. <laughs> we have one more item. Hey, guys, Black Friday coming up next Friday. Kishore, now that I'm you're the done only, with science, I think you I'm are the only one left that likes Black Friday, except uh, are the millions you, of people that go out on Black Friday. What, you, what, are, what are the things you guys are looking out for? This year, I'm traveling on Black Friday. I'm going to see family in Florida, mm. and I'm flying back that day. So I think I'll miss out on the madness. It's all weekend now. It's just, you know, Cyber Monday, whatnot. You'll be fine. Really, though? Yes, really. Do yes. I not? I, should I go to Black Friday at the shopping mall inside the inside the airport? That's funny. They're, they're going to have it. I know, I'm no, actually, no, they won't. No, they won't. The, the Best Buy kiosk will remain the same price, <laughs> especially on a high travel weekend. Come on. No one's going to be. There's still going to be no line at. The light at the Best Buy kiosk would be amazing. That's TSA uh, busters, dude! I should I should just pack a tent and put up a tent outside the Best Buy kiosk in the mall there in the go. airport. There you go. That's that's great. Oh, are we playing music now? All right, let's go to pop culture. All right, so we have a lot to get through. Um, let's quickly talk about Thor. You saw it? Oh, we don't have to. Did you, I'm just saying, you, you said you enjoyed so, it? it was it came up. Okay, so I said I saw it. Yeah, and I, and I did like it. I was surprised. I mean, I did. I liked it. It's not my favorite like Marvel film ever, but I was surprised after I got home. I was getting on Twitter and I saw a friend of mine, like a good friend, Sam, who works at IGN, uh, Sam Claiborne. It's his favorite Marvel film. You like, know, wow, it's so different. I think a lot, a lot of people felt the same way when the first Guardians of the Galaxy came out because it was the tonally it was so different. Yeah, uh, this one being just a one eighty mm-hmm. from um, from Thor two, which was super serious. Okay, uh, this one being just, uh, just so much fun. Yeah, you had said that you didn't like all the banter, like all the jokes, just constant like it, in your yeah, face. Yeah, I thought it was a little too comedic. For me, I liked that because I didn't care about the film. Now, I, I imagine well, I, if you go into these films and you ha- or you are invested in these stories, these comic book characters and you want to see these like taken a little bit seriously, that could happen. And if any if this, anybody did this to Star Wars, I would hate it. You know, I don't, you know, guess I don't what? Guess that. what, Jeremy? It's going to happen. It's going to happen. I know happen. it's going I know it will. Yeah. Yeah. Um it's it's still in theaters. Uh, a totally ton of fun. This I think fun is is uh, yeah, what everyone's saying about it. Uh all right. Um, let's get to the big pop culture news this week. And unfortunately, we don't have Will today, but Will Smith is needed by Will Smith. When, yeah, that's always the case. All the Will Smiths are needed by Will Smith. So Will Smith, the actor, mm-hmm. uh, apparently has a deal with Netflix. He, ha- oh, he has a movie coming out with Netflix coming out soon. Um, uh, Blight, I want to say it's called. Bright? Uh, Bright. Bright, maybe. Um, it's uh, David Ayers directing it. Uh, it's like Training Day plus Magic. And um, and he has more projects coming out with Netflix, maybe a, a TV show. And so he posted on Twitter through the Netflix Twitter handle that if your name is your name, Will Smith, You're kidding. If your name was Will Smith, if your name is actually Will Smith, please see below for an urgent message. Yeah. Will Smith is calling out anyone's name who's Will Smith to do what? We don't know to collaborate so, with him in some documentary, some TV show, something. So breaking news from our Will Smith's. Twitch stream mm-hmm. last night, he divulged that he he did respond mm-hmm. and uh, also said, "Please stop tweeting at him. Please stop adding him about this." 
did respond, and Netflix gave him some instructions, but he's not sure he has time to go along with this. Oh, he's turning down the one thing his life has built up to. You know, it, it could be like just... It, it could be something silly. It could be something like just make a video of yourself. Like birth of a child, forget it. I mean, <laughs> marriage, he, forget he it. At Starting your own business, forget it. Here's your moment, Will Smith. <laughs> at Will Smith. All right. Well, I can't. I hope he's involved in it. I think it would be cool to see Will Smith's collide. I do too. I think, I think our Will Smith is the fourth most famous Will Smith. Too. What? Fourth? I was going to say second. What, what, no, no. So, okay. Terrifying. We uh, we know who's number one. There's the defensive end for the New Orleans Saints, who is tragically murdered. My God. Um, and then there's the current baseball player, Will Smith. Well, hey. And I think sports <coughs> sports trumps VR startup. It does it, it, for you, maybe. May, okay, yeah, fine. Depends on what okay, circle. Fine, okay, fine. Not for me. Fine. All right. Uh, we hope something comes of this. Uh, we were going to be waiting, waiting with bated breath um, to see the, the Will Smith collaboration. It's, it's going to be, uh, it's going to just be like the HBO documentary, the, um, mm-hmm. the, the, uh, the what you were called, uh, Defiant Ones, right? Except starring Will Smith. Uh, Will Smith. <laughs> that makes no sense. They didn't like bring in everybody named Dr. Dre. I want the production value to be like that, <laughs> and I want to see our, the Will Smith we know in that type of film. Bunch of doctors. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. A uh, bunch of other movies coming out. You know, I'm surprised that Justice League, which is coming out this at the end of this week, I have not seen a lot of hyper advertising for it. Let me check it their score on Rotten subdued. Tomatoes. Oh, wait. There is no score. So as we're recording this, we're recording this on Wednesday, the reviews for Justice League have actually just been lifted uh, this morning, like 2.30 in the morning. So people have seen it. Um, for example, Aisle 9 says the movie isn't great, but it sets up great things to come. I'm not going to read more any more into that. That is a horrible review. Yeah. Well, that's the headline. And uh, Ron Tomatoes mm-hmm. put an embargo on uh, the uh, – they decided to delay the certification. Now, if you wanted to look at all the – because the embargo is up. So you can, like, be your own Ron Tomatoes and just find all the reviews. No score yet. And you can qualify them. And then you can tally up and make your own assessment of what the – quote-unquote, tomato meter score would be. Yeah. But Rotten Tomatoes will not give a fresh or rotten certification or a percentage until this next day, the day before the film comes until out. Until the reviews are officially released. The v- reviews are released. They are delaying it p- even past the reviews. I don't understand. Why would they do Why that? Why would they do that? There's two, two, uh, two points of uh, conspiracy. One is that they're talking about holding that certification and that score until Rotten Tomatoes launches their new, the first episode of this new show they're doing. Rotten Tomatoes is doing a show? Like a web show. They used to have a show that was really good. What's, yeah. that, what's that going to be rated? That's stupid. <laughs> well, the idea is that they're going to talk about movies, and they're going to unveil the scores on the shows. Oh, okay. okay. Right? Okay. And so everyone's waiting to see if Justice League is fresh or rotten. So now do you have a reason to watch this Rotten Tomatoes Okay. show right. to see the score All whatever right. it's their prerogative okay the other reason is that Rotten Tomatoes is owned by Fandango and so this is con- potentially oh my god bigger conspiracies I don't they don't want to hold a score because they want more ticket sales oh my and god more money it's that's awful. a that I don't believe that conspiracy only because that seems like a good way to ruin Rotten Tomatoes entire business like if you go to Rotten Tomatoes and you go to the Justice League page it says under the tomato meter Follow Rotten Tomatoes, see it slash skip it for the tomato meter score reveal at 12.01 Eastern Time. I don't know. These executives, man, they are all about the short-term thinking. 
This they, is dumb. They see a, an investment. They probably put $150 million into Justice League or something like that. And if it is as bad as it appears to be, they're scared out of their pants. They're going to go to Rotten Tomatoes and say, withhold the, the review. I would I would totally no, there's, that. No, but th- that's an... Oh. It, it's wrong. It's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, and, and uh, also they don't list any of the critics' reviews on the page right now. Yeah, there's no no, no inventory of I, any of the critics' I, reviews. I could stomach the idea they aren't going to put up a score, but all the critics' reviews are there. As right, they like get the, published. the quotes, select quotes, and yeah. you can you can link around. Not even that. I think That's we give lame. Rotten Tomatoes too much power. Not not in terms of box office, but in terms of like how we um, ingest and how we how we survey reviewers. Now you sound like, like a movie executive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they like said that earlier this year. Well, Metacritic has the score, has their score. And their score isn't a uh, see it, skip it style, plus uh, thumbs up, thumbs down. It is an aggregate, an average of the actual review scores. Mm-hmm. And their score for Justice League, anyone want to take a guess? 47. 38. Higher. Okay. 51. All right. Yeah. 51%. Still an F, but okay. I, a fr- a friend of Tested, Alan Pan, got to see an early review, and he said, if you take out all the bits um, uh, with uh, Flash, Aquaman, and Wonder Woman, oh, uh, if you leave in, if you just like excise all the other bits where they're, they're not in, it was a pretty good movie. Really? And I was like, yep, that's what I expected. Wait, Flash and they, Wonder Woman? No, they, they, he's saying that the Flash, Wonder Woman, Aquaman bits are good. Oh, oh, got it. If you just take those, if but you not just watch those. But see, the, the Batman was, people said that they tracks. liked him in Batman versus Superman. They they thought Ben Affleck wasn't the problem in that film. Oh, that's true. But. Uh, interesting. You know Gal Gadot went straight from Wonder Woman to this? She had no, she, like, no one had seen Wonder Woman by the time they finished shooting on this film. So I, that's interesting going to see it, mm-hmm. but she won't have a big head about it. Like, she's just still her modest you know this is my first film no one knows well there's also you know they brought joss whedon in to the re- do the reshoots and the, the old Zack snyder leave departing from the film thing so uh, there's just n- no awareness or buzz i feel like about this i mean i'm sure i'll, I'll do reasonably well i'll make money um but you're, I, I'm you're gonna get about all this. quite the rant in two weeks when i'm back on the podcast about this do, movie do you have tickets to watch it i am gonna go watch it next week yep yeah. I, uh, I bet kids will like it because they're not as discerning <laughs> kids, kids have kids have terrible opinions. Yeah, they like they like all this stuff. They like you know, so much. Stuff. What I what I know I'm going to be offended about is the DC source material for Justice League is so good. It is so good. They have these, give up, give up that. You got to give that up. I know. I, I that's that's uh, I can't give it up. They be- okay. They better not make any jokes in Justice League. No, it's not that. It's not that <laughs> at all. Now, a movie that I hope people do watch, and I can say I can vouch. It's fantastic. You've seen it? Disney Pixar's Coco. You saw it? I saw it shut on up. Sunday. What? And I will not shut up. I hate you. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, we, we know people who work at, um, at, at Pixar and were invited to a screening um, late in the weekend. Some and, of us and, were and invited to at a Pixar? Screen? At Pixar. Oh, that's great. Um, that is pretty cool. And uh, it's great. I, I definitely teared up. I believe it. So, so that's all it's, I'll on, say. it's on par with some of your. You know, the top tier Pixar movies? It's so tough to say because um, visually, I would say the movie that it's closest to is Ratatouille. Oh, now interesting. How do, you, how do you figure that? So do you know, uh, do you remember the thing that struck me the most about Ratatouille was like Paris and yeah. how they made Paris just glowing and beautiful? Mm-hmm. Uh, they make the world in this film just as beautiful, yeah, if yeah, not so more. I get that from yeah. the trailer. So that's that's what I would okay. connect it most with. And then... 
Uh, gosh, I would say it's closer to up than it is to brave. <laughs> so come in 10 minutes late. What does that mean? <laughs> that means come in 10 minutes late. Yeah, it means you're going to cry. In, in terms of the, the the emotional resonance. Okay. that's. I mean, that's great. That's all you want from a Pixar so, movie. The thing, like, I, I'll, I'll see every Pixar film. Yeah. But I'm curious about this one, as a Pixar fan, to see Lee Unkrich's second film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I'm not the biggest fan of Toy Story 3. Even you're not? Th- even though it is their, by far, most successful film. It is? I, I think it's their only film to gross more than a billion dollars. Now, Finding, finding uh, Dory must International at this point. Maybe. Mm. There's a list on Wikipedia. If so, fine. Toy Story 3 is up there. And, and I'm not that big of a fan. I felt like Toy Story 3 was made for the same generation as Toy Story 1 and 2 having grown up. And I wanted to see another film made for the kids, like where, where the bad guy isn't like just totally a bad guy. That's Toy Story 4. Toy Story 3 was the end, the, cl- the closing yeah, of Toy the Toy Story of a, 3 was a great bookend. I don't want to get into that. I'm sure, just saying sure. I believe I'm going to like this film more, and I'm excited to see it. Wait, wait. This brings up a question. What is your favorite Pixar movie? Me? For everybody here. Oh, probably. Uh, I used to say The Incredibles because there were only like five or six films by then. But now, man, I don't know. Inside Out's great. Hmm. So uh, I'll say about this Inside Out Up is great. Is, is a movie that you can like use to teach your kids. And there are some films that have like these themes that you can use to like teach your kids. And I think that's one of the things that Pixar does really well is like they have these universal themes and universal life lessons, like relationships between your th- a father and letting your child go, or a mother and letting your daughter go, and, and, and brave, or or uh, respecting your heritage, or uh, inner conflict, or you know, like there's total universal themes. And I think Coco nails one of those really oh, wow. well. All right. Um, and so they it's like they stick the landing. So, yeah, it's weird. Incredibles was high on my. It was number yeah. one for me for a long time. But I think it's Wally. It's it's Wally. I, see, Wally that they, it's such a different film. First half and second half. I was like yeah. floored by the first twenty minutes. Or the first twenty minutes. The first act. Um, and then I kind of it's like I didn't like the for the first time I saw it. It grew on me. I grew on me. I liked it. They've had so many films now. Yes. So many, so many so films. Many. It's tough to do. Like a favorite or best of. Somebody made a point recently, I believe on on Reddit, where they said that The Incredibles is interesting because in this, if you take all the superhero films that have ever been made, rarely do you see a superhero film where all of the characters use their powers together to create more powerful effects. That's what Justice League is supposed to be. (laughs) (laughs) Bringing it back to the current. Nicely done. All right, and so Coco does come out uh, Thanksgiving, and um, they didn't show the short that goes along with it. Oh, it. so, so you got to go see it again. I got to see it again. All right, yeah, totally. Um, future movies coming out twenty eighteen. We have a teaser for Deadpool. Is that right? Deadpool two. Yeah, I, I guess you can't watch trailers. I'm not going to watch it. I'm going to spoil t- something for you. Mm. It starts with Deadpool as Bob Ross, the painter. Okay, in a Bob Ross esque. Like in a full Bob Ross 1980s shot, stylized, he's painting happy trees um, for a while, just being uh, Deadpool. And then it cuts to maybe 20 seconds of 20, 30 seconds of actual footage. And uh, yeah, that's <laughs> not, I'm not going to. It's very Deadpool. There is a lot of Deadpool sayings. Do not watch this teaser trailer with your children. And uh, yeah. Deadpool. He's right. Deadpooling. I, I should finally watch Deadpool, I suppose. Not, not, not with, with your, your kids. kids. <laughs> <laughs> watch it for yourself. Uh, all right. 
biggest movie news this week, biggest pop culture news this yeah. past week. The Last Jedi is not even out yet, but Ryan Johnson has been signed to spearhead, to write and direct, and maybe write and direct all three, who knows, but definitely to create a new Star Wars trilogy. Going all in. Not just an in-between films one-off, a trilogy. Now, this speaks to, I think it's a great marketing move, speaks to Disney's confidence in Last Jedi to really just push away, sweep away all those rumors that they were unhappy with any of the cuts mm-hmm. that he turned in. And their ability to work with him. And their ability to work with young directors. And so how this will bear out remains to be seen. Like, who knows if he'll they'll actually you know keep him around for all three of those films. But I, the hope is, wow, they're giving, handing the reins of the extended universe to someone to create a new trilogy that's not the Skywalker's trilogy. Well, well, let's hold on here. Kathleen Kennedy has proven that she's handing you the reins for as long as she's handing you the reins. (laughs) (laughs) Like a good mom. The other thing is, I want to believe that when the announcement came, that it was full on just like the end of New Hope with just like a scene of Ryan Johnson walking down the aisle and Kathleen Kennedy as Leia Mm -hmm. putting the medal on him. You are now bequeathed the next trilogy. Mm Mm-hmm. And then R2 comes out and laughs and everyone smiles. Who doesn't get the medal? <laughs> well, we kind of know it's it's Colin. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you feel about a trilogy about characters that you've never met before? I love it. Great. I love it. But the qu- the big question is where the, the big it's a big universe one. I mean, I guess they, they travel around pretty quickly. Where which part of the Star Wars universe is it going to be is it going to be primarily re- re- rebellion you know, uh, resist, resistance and empire, mm-hmm. or is this just something completely different? I feel like it's going to have Jedi. This is like the, the thing that's going to hold droids and Jedi, or are like the a, thing that are going to hold the, the, the universes together, right? Or at least like a Rogue One level of the Force. Like you need the Force. You need the Force, right? Uh, and then what time? I want to go future. I don't, Whoa, you don't want to go back? <laughs> I mean, Darth Plagueis, like going back to that kind of stuff, could be interesting, but in service of having brand new characters, I think going forward is the only way. You think that the end of last, uh, the third Star Wars film, uh, whatever it's called after Last Jedi, that will be the, the closing of the Skywalker trilogy? Like, they're not going to try to build franchises around Rey, BB-8, Finn? And- I, I think it could be an offshoot of, of Rey. Or, I, think, I could see Finn. Like, he's not a, the central character, but he could... A like, crossover like, character? Yeah. I don't want to see crossover characters. Mm. I want a completely new cast of characters. If you're asking, you know who I really want to see is Grand Admiral Thrawn get a series built around him. Who's that? He's from the books, Mm. and he was sort of like a a incredibly tactically efficient, um, uh, whatever character. Yeah, from the (laughs) Empire. Okay, he he was a admiral that really turned the tide post Luke Skywalker, Mm. and from a book that is no longer canon. Yes, no. it was from the Timothy Zahn books. So I would love to see him. Like, it would be a very different type of villain. It's like what Hux is supposed to be. And Hux is basically just like, I'm just standing here. Yeah, and I'll go with something just completely different. Yeah, and that's fine with I feel like different. people aren't good at that. And I don't know if it's because they want to pay fan service. They feel like the fans want to th- have those little nuggets thrown in, like, oh, right. I recognize that guy. Right, right. Or characters that you know come in, and 
refer to things that you know when in reality they probably wouldn't be doing that unless they were truly legendary characters and they were referring to we, the ancient times. We've gotten so much fan service. Yeah, and, I, and I'm with Norm where I want to see a, a clean slate and it would be interesting to see what that would be set in the same universe. You know, whereas the original Star Wars took a lot from, you know, Kurosawa films and westerns, like, and, and you know, you, having the, the heist and the smuggler, like, these are themes and tropes that have been in Star Wars. I want them to take, take from other things. Mm-hmm. You know, like mix, Thor Ragnarok. Like, pull the comedic bits. It's happening. Or, or it's in that happening. Case, pull, pull the Kirby. Pull the Kirby. You could do a, yes. an, an edit of Thor once it comes out on Blu-ray with all the jokes cut out. <laughs> See what you think. <laughs> now, uh, if you're not into a Ryan Johnson spearheaded new trilogy of Star Wars, well, you might, you'll get more Star Wars because Disney also apparently has plans to create a live-action Star Wars TV show for their streaming service, their Netflix competitor. And that's when I decided I would sign up for it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I mean, and I'm sure I'm not alone. Star like, Trek Discovery, not enough? That's it. it but but, uh, but Star Wars show on, on whatever Disney does, <laughs> which will probably have all the Marvel films. Yeah, Right, sure. and all the Star Wars films. Yep. That's, that's a library right there. That's, that's 10 bucks a month. There yep. you go. I'm right. not excited about this. You're, you're not. Why? Because it'll be serialized, because that's the trend right yep. now. Mm-hmm. Yep. And... Uh, I I think it's uh, I think there's something to be said for building up anticipation for Star Wars just to have a movie every year. What about Rebels? I, I haven't really watched the cartoons. Well, a lot of people love the cartoon and appreciate yeah, that's it. Fair, uh, but this isn't this, a cartoon. This, this is going to be a more serious now. The same questions apply. You're right? crazy. You're going to watch this. You're, oh, I'm going to watch it. But I watch a lot of bad stuff too. Okay, All right. Uh, I mean, and the same thing. The same things apply for what they're talking about in the movies and this potential new show. Is that how much of a shared universe will be in? How many cameos will you see? Will you see cameos? It's going to be more like Netflix, yeah. uh, Marvel, you know, with the Defenders, and that having basically started with loose ties to the films and now having zero ties to the films. Um, Do you think that they'll leverage their um, their connection to the Marvel masterminds who created the MCU? in order to do the same for Star Wars here? I hope not. Really? Because I, I they've, need... they've absolutely nailed it. For for Marvel, yeah. that's because they have a roster of a bajillion characters already. Star Wars doesn't have that. Star Wars has the core characters. Now, I think do something new. Hmm. Not not try to force this this intermingling that of, of characters right. and of, of a force. I, I think that that's what's not worked with a lot of other studios and trying to create a shared universe from scratch without the characters that people love already. I got Do it. Do something I, that stands on its own and then think about bringing it together. I got it. An office style takedown of the building of the Death Star. <laughs> That's right. it. Or right job, there. Jabba's Palace. <laughs> sure. Oh, God. That would be it, wouldn't it? Now, if, if you're not in the Star Wars or, or, and then maybe the Orville and Discovery isn't your thing, what you have coming up through Amazon is, well... Galaxy Quest, the TV show. And Paul Shear's working on this, and he talked a little about their approach, the direction. I'm totally sold on this. They're definitely taking the same kind of approach that like Blade Runner and even um, uh, Force Awakens did and setting it linearly. It's X number of years after the original movie, and it's in a universe where Galaxy Quest is essentially their Star Trek or Star Wars. It is as popular as Star Trek or Star Wars is in our world. Okay. Where back when Galaxy Quest was made in 1999, you know, nerddom, fandom was it's, it's still niche. Wow. Now it's kind of exploded, right? So the approach they're taking is: what if 
in Galaxy Quest The Next Generation, like the follow-up, the yeah. BSG version of Galaxy Quest, like those are the people, those are the actors, and those are the relationships they want to explore, and what if they're like rock stars at Comic-Con? So it's not any of the original cast? They may have some original cast, and it may be like the original cast plays, you know, like what William Shatner... Like cameos. Ex- exactly. Like they're, they're the, the old guard. Right. Galaxy and, Quest TNG makes sense. And it's, it's more like Galaxy Quest, like, Discovery. Mm. Or Galaxy Quest, like, Force Awakens. That's interesting. Right? Yeah. Like, the relationship between... Galaxy Quest explored the relationship between fans, actors, and then the actors and the shows they're on in this kind of retro, respective, nostalgic view. But modernizing it and fans' relationships with actors and actors' relationships with their roles are completely different today. But the, in the same way that the original Star Trek play, um, now sort of appears somewhat campy, and they yep. played it that way in Galaxy Quest, right. next-gen Star Trek was a lot more serious. And, and Discovery, really serious. So yeah. maybe the Galaxy Quest TV show that this new show is about is something that takes itself really seriously. That's interesting. Right. I, I like it. I like that they're going, not just going back to the well and, um, and doing something new with it. Amazon also dropped a ton of money this, this week on a new series that... It's going to be their Game of Thrones. It's Lord of the Rings. But who? Lord of the Rings. Amazon. So Amazon. there was a bidding oh war, God. apparently. So the Tolkien estate, uh, and lots of news happening with the Tolkien estate this week, apparently. Uh, Tolkien's son has now, uh, who's 93 years old, has stepped down from the reins of managing the estate. Um, they settled that lawsuit. They had a long-term lawsuit. Was it Warner Brothers or whatever studio it was? But they settled that. Line. I, I don't know exactly who, yeah. But... They were looking for suitors to produce a TV show. Uh, and the asking price just for the rights for this was $250 million, <laughs> upwards of. Don't know the exact financials. Oh, so the rumors are now that they were asking HBO, Netflix, Amazon, or Hulu, whoever had the money, whoever had the pocketbooks to say, give us 200 to $250 million just so you could have some of the Lord of the Rings characters, not even all of them, not all of them were included. And you could do a TV show, and this does not include production costs. So you're talking about doing a Game of Thrones like TV show that costs $100 million a year. Uh, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Half a billion dollars for a long... But, but Amazon has the money, and apparently Jeff Bezos says he wants his Game of Thrones. So they're what, gonna spend the money, and this could be their Game of Thrones. What story do you wanna hear? From Lord of the Rings? I, I've seen everything I want to hear. There were six movies. I mean, I guess you could... Uh, There's like 30 there was, hours of film. There, was, there should have been four movies. There, uh, I think something about Sauron's rise to power could be interesting. Mm. Because there is a lot of story there. Yeah. But come on. We all want one thing. What? Tom Bombadil. Come on. Mm. When Tom Bombadil got no play in the movies, got cut out of the movies. Where is our bard singing songs? Did you read the books? Uh-huh. Yeah, but I don't remember Tom Bombadil. You didn't remember Tom Bombadillo, the greatest Lord of the Rings character of all time? Do you want them to retread Lord of the Rings? No. I think prequel is the only way to go, though, because where do you go after? Well, here's the other question. Isn't Hobbit prequel? uh, Yeah. Yes, but there's more prequel. Uh, The question I have is, is Weta involved? If Weta Workshop and the look of the film, Peter Jackson, Weta Workshop is not involved, then I actually have no problem with them retreading Lord of the Rings because the movie is... Two decades old now, almost. You know, it's, it's going to by the time this comes out, it'll be twenty years old, and there'll be a lot of fans who no, 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 no. Wow. No. Okay. All right. It it, it holds up so well. It, those it, movies. It does. Yeah. It does. Yeah. But if well, what? No. 
I mean, I feel like the 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 third one was the first movie where people thought, okay, the CG has come of age and mm-hmm. it's amazing. But I don't feel like it does hold up that well, personally. Um, the the first two are more about talking than they were about effects. It's about characters. Yeah, lots of characters. Yeah, we call that story. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know. All right, maybe Lord of the Rings isn't for you, but this has got to be for you. Other big franchises that got locked in, Mario. Oh, what happened? Mario is getting a new film. Oh, no. Oh, yes. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Do we need a reminder of the last Mario film? I put a link what, in there. This is not the Mario live action film. There's only been one, right? There's only been, yes. Okay. Thank goodness. <laughs> this is an animated film, and Nintendo has new, a relationship with Universal and Illumination, who makes the... Illumination. Uh, there, there you go. The, who makes the Despicable Me and Minion movies. And, you know, it's funny because... Nintendo has a relationship with uh, Ubisoft, has the Rabbids, and the Rabbids are basically the Minions. They're the exact same characters. That's weird, and they did that crossover game this year. Yeah, exactly. So Mario already has relationships with Minion-like characters. I don't expect full-on Minions to be in this new Mario film, but Illumination is extremely successful. They have a ton of money. Nintendo has a great IP, and I am interested to see what they do with a Mario movie. Mm. You don't think you'd want to show your kids this? I don't don't know what would be interesting about it. I don't play Mario. That's the best part. You don't know what you think would be interesting about it, and so you're ready Come to be on. surprised. You, you want are, Cappy. You, you want to see Cappy on the big so screen. so optimistic about this. I can be optimistic Mario about is about the gameplay. It has nothing to do with anything else. Gameplay doesn't exist in a movie. What am I interested in? Show me. Toad. Captain Toad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, impress Jeremy for his kids, for the sake of his kids. Kids, then, will, kids will like it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> they, they are not discerning. <laughs> As kids, previously kids are the worst. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and one last bit of pop culture news. Out this week is Artemis, uh, Andy Weir's book yeah. and audio book uh, as narrated by Rosario Dawson. Uh, I have the audio book. I'll be uh, listening to it over Thanksgiving I'm travels. Right, right with you. And uh, he's doing a book tour right now. He may be visiting your town if you want to see Andy. What are the early reviews like? Uh, reviews are great. Cool. Yeah. Reviews are great. Uh, the, right. uh, the, they really celebrate the world building he does. So the premise is it's about a protagonist who lives on the moon, on the colony of the moon. I That's all wait. I'll say. Can't wait. That's all I'll say. <laughs> and apparently, I totally cover my ears because I've been going spoiler free oh, on sorry this. sorry about that. Okay. No, no, no. It's fine. I actually knew. Uh, I, I've I've heard a, a fair amount, but uh, I'm so excited about this. I the, Kindle's locked and loaded. Expectations are very high. Um, probably too high. Probably, yes. Probably too high. But he's had as much time as he wants to work on it. That, yeah. That's what's most important. And he's, apparently he spent a whole year just on mapping out how the the way that world works. Cool. The, uh, the, you should have him in on Still, still Untitled. I think I, yeah. Adam and him are still friends. So. I would love to have him on Still Untitled. It's, I think it's more probably Andy's availability at this point. Oh, sure. I'm tour. just post-book tour. I'm sure Andy yeah. will drive up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that does it for Pop Culture News. Let's talk about some tech. All right. Uh, one more week into iPhone 10. Jeremy, how are you feeling about it? I disabled the uh, attention to unlock feature. Really? Why not? I'm not. It's like that's a weird security concern. I don't have Whoa. that problem. <laughs> so uh, now I suppose I could be sleeping and my kids could unlock the phone. All right, that's true. But um, I just wanted it to be faster. It's a little slow. So 
Wait, wait. Like, you mean the face ID? The is face slow? ID, yeah. You think well. it's slow? Because I'm using it constantly. I'm like multiple times an hour. I'm opening my phone, and I just want it to be half a second faster. When you it's say fun. attention is disabled, just to give me a, a picture of what that means, it's still using your face, but you don't have to be. Your eyes don't have to be looking at exactly. The, interface yep so this is i think is a trick we've actually been doing some testing at the office this week and hopefully we'll be shooting a video later today about it uh trying to really decipher how face id uh the order of operations in which it works Mm -hmm. uh there are two cameras and there are two projectors on um the nook of the iphone right uh there's your front-facing camera which is just your standard hd camera um you know high resolution high frame rate uh, and then there's a IR camera that can see IR light. Emitter-wise, there are two emitters. There is what they call flood illuminator, and you can actually see this if you turn off the lights and you use a night vision camera. It's very bright. It kind of floods the room in, in, in flashes of IR light. And then there's what the dot projector, which is a, what they made a big deal of in their keynote, which is a uh, um, emitter that shoots a randomized sequence of 30,000 dots. Now, not all 30,000 dots go on your screen. It's a really wide blast on your face. On your face. Yeah. And so there's the wide blast on your face, and that's probably aligned with the IR camera. So the IR camera field of view can catch whatever the dots land on. Because if you had one that went beyond that field of view, it wouldn't make any sense to be a waste of dots or a waste of camera space. Um, and this order of events, as we've kind of deciphered it, is uh, the flood illuminator blinks, 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 flashes. It doesn't just turn on. That's, it, that's I, interesting. It, yeah, it, it, it's not a continuous sequence. It okay. blinks, blinks, blinks. Mm-hmm. And I think that's synced up with the IR camera or the HD camera. So it only captures images when it blinks. Okay. Yep. And uh, the reason it needs to blink is so it can work in the dark, right? Because then if, if you're... If you're in, in in the dark, the HD camera isn't going to see you're saying your face. That's the reason why it is IR, and, and exactly. not why it blinks. And, 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 okay. Yeah, exactly. Okay. That's the reason why it's IR. So it lights up your face when it blinks. And then the camera, when it sees a face, step one, it has to recognize it's a face. Um, then it will go to step two, and it will ask whether you're looking at it, right? The attention thing. Okay. You kind of cut that out in, what you, in turning off the, the attention feature. Mm-hmm. So let's say for your phone, it sees that a face. And what we've discovered is that recognition of quote unquote a face can be a photo. Doesn't need to be. Well, how do you know it transitions to the next Because step? you see the dot luminator pop up. So that doesn't happen unless it sees a face? Exactly. It's linear? That's so strange. That and it happens like all, all within like half of, half of a second. So yeah. if you watch our sequences, and this will all be in video, make it much more clear, what you see is f- flood, 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 like face looks white, everything looks white, 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 or very high contrast, like bright. And then the moment it goes onto what it sees as a face, a real face, a photo of a face, mm-hmm. or even a life cast, then flood illuminator, uh, I'm sorry, dot projector goes on. And the dot projector goes on once per test. That's it. Blinks and once. And it doesn't combine flood with dot. It's only, only one dot. Only dot. That's really yeah. interesting. And the dot gives you the depth map. Yeah. Hmm. And then... Then it says uh, face or no face. And then it says your person, fa- or no person. Re- pers- your yeah. person or no person. That's cool. The dot projector does not recognize a life cast. Okay. So life cast will not fool it. Well, and I think because of the reflectivity of skin versus like a plaster. Yeah. We haven't tried it with the silicone life cast, but it, my life cast will not fool it. Now, the attention thing is a really the interesting mm-hmm. thing, right? Like, how does it work? And I think previous weeks we speculated. No one actually actually written about this or kind of figured it out. We thought maybe it does some com- computational 
imaging, right? Like it tells, it can see where your pupils are mm -hmm. uh, relative to where your eye is, and like figure out that it's looking at, right, uh, looking at the the camera, because um, it works with just one eye. Is the IR part doing that attention? So this is what we, th the Gunther actually came up with this, and we think he's completely right. It's IR that's bouncing into the back of your eyes and reflecting it's cat eyes. Mm -hmm. And the so cat that means eyes only work when you look directly at your IR source. So you should be able to test this with um, sunglasses and you should be able to unlock your phone. Yep, because sunglasses, IR goes through and mm -hmm. you can see. But that's, how, that's the brilliant thing. They can deduce attention because, you have, because of the one-way mm -hmm. bounce back into the back of your eyes. So we wanted to see if you, like, if you could fool it with like, an IR LED. Right, right. I, but I'm curious because uh, the I'm I don't understand how it can detect the retina looking at you with just the dot projection. No, no, the dot projection is after the flood illuminator. Yeah, do you think it does the attention with during the flood? Yes, portion. One hundred percent. Okay, okay. Because the attention, if you have attention on, it will not give you the dot illuminator unless you're looking at it. I should bring in. I have. Um, so I the put, sequence. Sorry, sequence events yeah. is. Recognize that it is a face, either 2D face or real 3D face. That's no depth needed. Two, attention, which means does it see blinding white IR light bouncing directly back from your eyes into it? Yeah. Two glowing eyes. Okay. And three, then dot projector structure of face. We just put up in our house one of our windows um, faces uh, uh, the east sun and gets a lot of the, the kitchen that it comes into heats up a lot. So we got this IR blocking film to put in our windows i should bring that in because that'll help you test this because the ir led may not create the kind of interference you're looking for exactly yeah and we tried like a perfect mirror yeah like you know using a spoon or something and it's i don't know if it combines the uh the, the bounce back with the image of the face and to say that it needs these two bright ir spots right in the center of what it thinks is a face before it activates dot projector um, but we haven't been able to to fool the attention yet. The attention okay. is like the magic part. and it. But have you, you've turned it off. You turn off the, the attention yes. necessary? Uh, okay. uh, we, we, we've tried it with turning off the yeah. attention and a photo of the face okay. will activate dot projector. Right, but you, yeah. still your life cast wouldn't unlock life it. Life cast wouldn't unlock it. I saw that there was a story about a child was able to unlock her, his mom's phone. Yeah. That was interesting. I mean, just I mean, it's not surprising. My kid uh, was able to buy something on the PlayStation Network using the PlayStation Eye. Login, right? Because right. the system thought that he was me. Um, this is, I mean, this is obviously the iPhone is a lot higher tech than the PlayStation I. Mm -hmm. So we were supposed to not be able to do that unless you're an identical twin. Uh, I think in terms of security, nothing's going to beat a passcode for, for yeah. a long time. Yeah. And and you know, this is a combination that in the middle ground between convenience and security. Yeah. Uh, and if you look back to when the first iPhone came out or when the first smartphones came out, having everyone having something like Face ID turned on by default, which is Probably more than what people, how many people had Touch ID turned on by default, hmm. which is definitely way more than how many people had passcodes on by default. So many people ran their smartphones without passcodes for a long time, and this is much faster. And yeah, it may not be as secure as a custom, you know, twenty character, you know, one password style key, um, but it it works fast, fast enough for me at least. Maybe not fast enough for Jeremy. I live life a little faster than you, just a little bit faster. Um, so that's been our testing with uh, with uh, iPhone's Face ID. Other tech news: um, 
Firefox has a new version that's came out. It's called Firefox Quantum. Have either of you downloaded it? What What, what do you mean a new version? Uh, a, a new, a big release, uh, overhauled. Um, apparently, it is. It's Firefox fifty seven. Technically, uh, speed is is the biggest thing. Hmm. Um, has a whole new rendering engine. They call it Quantum, and they say it's like t- even twice as fast as the last version of Firefox, which came out a couple months months ago so it's supposed to be faster than chrome hmm. um the other thing is that uh it has low memory um usage which anyone who that's uses chrome, interesting yeah yeah um and which means low battery usage also um and the ui looks really good yeah i mean google is so entrenched that they don't even have to make chrome fast and you people would stick with chrome because of the way it's tied into your passwords and gmail and all the other services you use that's the thing, honestly, holding me back from using Firefox. Well, Firefox also got bloated. Like the the just the UI around it about using extensions and whatnot got a little hefty. So a simplified UI is a great way to at least claw back. Yeah, uh, Firefox was the Chrome. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was the browser of preference to everybody mm-hmm. until yeah. Chrome. Yep. All it takes is a vulnerability to get people to switch. I don't. I don't even think so. I think people are clueless. They 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 want to use a thing that came built you know that that they recognize the name of. And you unfortunately, see some, somebody at Microsoft was doing a demo of one of their services using Edge, obviously. Yep. And a public demo, and then they browser just like couldn't do it, and he it, he was failed. So he opened up a new tab and downloaded Chrome. Oh no! <laughs> Live installed Chrome and then went back to their internal Microsoft. That service. is someone's getting yelled at. It worked fine. Oh, it's funny. Wow. Um. Going back to Apple and iOS, uh, a feature that uh, people have been long awaiting. It's now in beta. It is Apple Pay Cash, a way for people with Apple phones to send each other money, like with PayPal or Venmo. I think it's. Is this actually live or is it? It's just beta. It's just beta. But I mean, is it in the beta? Like you have to download the iOS beta to get it. Uh, No, no, no. It's It's public beta in. Oh, sorry. It is in iOS eleven two beta two. Okay. So you have to opt in using the beta program. Yeah. Because uh, they don't put betas out, beta features out. I guess they, they do beta features out. They, they, it's like portrait one, mode. One, that's true. Right? That's portrait right. mode is a beta feature. Yeah, Siri for a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, so the idea is that your credit card, debit card that's attached to Apple Pay, um, and you can just, it's built into messages. Um, and there's, you know, the same type of fees uh, that you would have with um, credit cards, a few percent, and no fees with debit cards. So... Oh, so I can send money to somebody with no fees. Uh, with, with through direct if I use a debit card, with debit card or bank account, which is how right. like Square Cash works. And so basically, they just want to take all the business that Square Cash and Venmo have been have been doing. That's interesting. And with using the proximity sensors of um, you know NFC that's built in the phones. Do, do you know? Does it go into an account that you then have to transfer into your bank account, or does it automatically? I credited? don't know, and I really hope that would be the way to do it because I hate the I mean that's how PayPal and Venmo make money is they, they hold interest money and they make interest off uh, and 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 they st- like you can't pay with those accounts unless you manually specify they always pay from directly from your bank account and you can only extract money out yeah. uh, if you do it manually yeah I don't like that uh, a feature that that is very popular on iOS and people use a lot that's making its way maybe onto the Windows side in a future update is an airdrop like feature so, airdrop uh, from only Microsoft devices to other Microsoft devices? Windows to Windows. Yes. Um, 
<laughs> so, like, the reason there was a big pause is, like, no one has any Windows mobile devices. Well, Windows, your laptops have Bluetooth. Uh, I, I meant, like, phone. Like, where I find AirDrop super functional is when you have multiple laptops that can just phones? AirDrop to each other. And the phones. Yeah. And Windows doesn't have many people on the phones. I guess the Surface laptops, this is great. You know, it's great. I'm glad they're adding it. It can't now, hurt. can't hurt. The, the problem is that most, I mean, I guess for people with desktops, mm-hmm. do most desktops, most, most motherboards, I guess they all, they all have Bluetooth. Most of them have Bluetooth radios now. It won't work over LAN? Like it won't just work like even if you're... It says, the reports I've read have said it's a Bluetooth feature. I would mm-hmm. love for it to be also Wi-Fi yeah. or also LAN. Yeah. Um, but then if you're, if you're on LAN, then it's just, you're just f- tr- moving files over network. I mean, the UI is, is the is the secret sauce. It's the UX. Like, I, yeah. people don't want to open their network and like right. find the other right. computers. They just want to say folder. drop to this person. Yeah, exactly. like Microsoft Dropbox, their equivalent yep. of Dropbox. Yep. Um, ooh, did you ever use uh, CompuServe forms back in the day? CompuServe. <laughs> this predates like Usenet, doesn't it? Is old no. of, of old school. It, it goes back real it far. It does. It goes back to the eighties, right, or at least the early nineties. Um, well, how far co- back does Usenet go? About Usenet's then, deep into the eighties. Um, CompuServe, man, that was like that was the service that was pre AOL. That was the AOL before AOL, right? Like you would sign up, you'd get a number that you dialed into CompuServe, and that was just what people thought was a, that was the internet, the internet essentially. It wasn't a bulletin board system. It was a, it was a whole you know thing you subscribe to, log in, check your email. Well, no longer. Oh well. CompuServe forums are being taken down. In a couple weeks. So I went when I heard about the story. I went on to the CompuServe forums just to check it out. There are active users that are still like posting stuff like which router should I get and like active actively getting help. Not many. But they're still active users on the CompuServe forums after all these years. Like like people who were once CompuServe customers? Or it's hard to tell. Google's never taken me to CompuServe for a search. Why are they there? I have no idea. I would, I would guess they've been there forever. Yeah. Like you say. All right. It's yeah. not so bad, though. People are nice on here. When's the last time you were on the forums and people were, were nice? Now, now. Pretty, pretty rare. Now I want to check it out. Maybe you can bring it back. <laughs> It'll I'm, just transition to a Google. I'm sure archive.org will take care of archiving everything there. So that's good. Um, and then uh, we didn't cover the story uh, last week, uh, but it happened just through recording. Disney apparently is starting to take off C&Ds on some Disney IP'd mm-hmm. uh, objects in Thingiverse. Well, now, I feel like this is a little overblown. Yeah. Now, I, I actually, I don't, I don't know the details of this, but I, and when I read that this was happening, I went over there to, like, grab things, and yeah, everything's yeah. still there. A lot is still there. It's still there. A lot there. of Yoda heads. Like, was it just one user? I feel like, 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 Star, like Disney's always taken down some stuff, mm-hmm. but they're not taking down everything. So the thing that was called out was uh, Flowalistics, low-poly uh, yeah. stormtroopers, and some of his were taken down. Some are still up, as you said, as yep. I, I last checked. Um, so some high-profile stuff. I mean, it would be easy if Disney really wanted to, their lawyers really wanted to uh, make an all-out sweep. And that's been the fear ever since Lucas sold Disney, yep. right, the, right. the rights to Star Wars. Right. They could just take a look at most downloaded or most popular, most upvoted, and then just see the top top 15. Yeah. Um, but they haven't. There's still some very popular things still there. So, But 
no one should be surprised if they do. And the, the point remains that it's something to be cognizant of if you're designing things that aren't your IP. Like they have the right to take it down. Um, even if you add a lot of your own art to it. Yeah. Even if you modeled it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But, but the thing is like Disney back when, at least the rule under, um, you know, Lord Lucas was that if you weren't making money on it, it's okay. Yeah. That, and that feels like it, it's supportive of this new technology that's emerging and supportive of the community. If you act like that. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe maybe if you do see Star Wars stuff out there, you don't want to re- assume it'll be there forever. Mm-hmm. Maybe you do want to download. Or maybe things. if you're making Star Wars stuff, you yeah. shouldn't assume it stays up. Yeah, <laughs> or give it an interesting name, like the uh, app the named Felinium Malkin that is available on Thingiverse. Is that a real thing? It is. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have to look that up. Well, another company making Star Wars stuff that's out this week is. EA with Star Wars Battlefront 2 and a little bit of a controversy with the game. <laughs> a little uh, bit under A little bit. Just a little bit. So uh, this is a highly anticipated game. You know, A lot of people love the first Battlefront and this one will have a full-blown single-player campaign. People also love the multiplayer. Uh, I can't wait to play it. Uh, but the controversy is in some of these uh, microtransactions. Um, or you could might even call them macro transactions, and how much EA originally had priced some of these characters to unlock um, if you wanted to unlock them by paying as opposed to playing the game. Wait a minute, don't I pay for Battlefront 2? You pay for the game. I, like full price, right? You pay for the game, and you could unlock the characters on your own time. So I think it's like 40 hours or something to unlock like Vader or... Or like it takes a while. Yeah, uh, it's just like you know, way back in the day, if you're playing a game like Battlefield Two, you couldn't get the nicest guns unless you actually earned them, and it felt great to actually earn them. Uh, but some people also like just paying for the unlocks, and so the option is there, and the outrage is in that pricing. Um, and the response to it was not great. <laughs> yeah, don't say. Um, so both the the official EA response and then the reaction to that response. But it brings up the question of, you know, uh, the, the complaints from some gamers and some people in the community is that, you know, why does EA need more money? It, it shouldn't the doesn't the development cost get covered just by the, the the box price of the game? Your sixty dollars, and the answer honestly is no. If you look at how much games cost these days, I don't know about that. They they could probably make the money back that they need in order <coughs> to make it. But they are a public company, and they need to have give shareholders a way to. To feel good about their their investment, they're always going to look for ways to earn more money, mm-hmm. and they're going to push it as far as they can until there's enough pushback in order to make it stop. So the line is wherever the line is ever moving. You're yeah. saying the line is whatever whenever there is pushback. So pushback is good then, and and EA did step back and concede and lowered the prices for the unlocks uh, for some of the characters, but only under heavy duty pressure though. Right, right, right. Uh, so would you not have enjoyed the game? For sixty dollars? Oh, oh, I don't. I didn't enjoy the first one because I didn't like even the fact that it wasn't an even playing field when when a new player would join. Like, uh, so it's not hats; it's actual abilities. The fact that that it's not aesthetics, that it's not just you know cosmetic accoutrements that I can unlock to make myself look different. It's actual new guns and weapons and, and abilities That's like like better. jump jets and things. Yeah, that other people have that are more experienced than me and they're more powerful. I didn't like that. That just felt like bad design. Mm. Now, mm. the people who play the game, they say those things that you unlock, they're not, they don't make that big of a difference. 
Oh, I still felt like I was at a disadvantage. And so I, I would prefer something like Overwatch where all of the unlocks are cosmetic. Well, now you're, now you're going to get a bunch of people who have paid for the power-powered flings and don't have the experience. Yeah, exactly. don't know how to use the jetpacks. Yeah, it's all messed up. Yeah, they'll fly into that Sawlock pit. The, the reaction has been almost too far on some level. Like, people are right to be angry and upset for a huge game like this to be so dependent on microtransactions. Yeah. But at the same time, the vitriol has really spilled over probably like a note too far. Yeah. Like people are calling EA and just threatening them. Threatening developers. Yeah. and Or uh, the support people. That seems like that's not the way it needs to be. Like, yeah. Get a refund. Don't buy the game. Don't pre-order it. That kind of stuff is how you get your message across. Don't pre-order it. Yeah, that's a big one. My my son, my 10-year-old son has started playing a new microtransaction game called Magic the Gathering. Maybe you've heard of this. What? Heard of it. it is a real-world microtransaction game. Well, you're buying packs. Exactly. And it, you know how many packs you can buy before you max out your character? How many? Infinite. <laughs> it turns out. Wait, wait, you don't have a character in Magic the Gathering. You have a deck. You have a deck. You know, yeah, you, yeah. You can buy, <laughs> you can, your deck can be ever, ever expansive. Exactly. Yeah. Right? They figured, yeah, Wizards of the, of the Coast. They figured out microtransactions long like, ago. Does he, does he like magic? He's crazy about it. Oh, you know, magic players used to be shunned. Magic what? Magic players used to be shunned. D- yeah, I'm sure. Like, it was in, in middle school when yeah. I was pl- actually yeah middle school when I was playing magic. It was it was not the cool. Do thing you have to do. cards still? No, I sold all my cards. Okay, okay. same here. I got I got uh, one of my first posts on the internet was was when I was looking for to trade for a magic card that is still sort of infamous. Wow. It's very jargon heavy. Let's just say. <laughs> I didn't know you both were players. Was it revised or? Uh, no, it was. Um, what's the Lotus card? Oh, like Black Lotus. Black Lotus. I've, se- I've seen counterfeits in the wild. That's what used to be the most. I used to buy Inquest magazine to see what the values of those cards were. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I had no idea. Uh, I played that Star Trek um, version of Magic CCG. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Customizable card game. And I, pl- I, you know, I bought a handful of packs. I love that game. It was the other Star Wars one. The Star Trek one was really great because you had uh, you set up a, uh, like a, um, it's like pre proto board games. They're basically board games, tabletop games, yeah. right? The Star Trek one, you set up a row of planets, and then you have your ships, and you basically travel around the planets and activate missions on the planets. Okay. You know, send send landing parties, yeah. combat with ships. Um, there yeah. you go. Microtransactions. Fond, fond memories. They're everywhere, and yes. I hate them. <laughs> I do. I do. You should be. You should improve your your character, even if it's a video game. You should improve yourself through hard work. I believe that. I believe video games can teach lessons like that. And if you think if you learn the lesson that you can improve your character by buying it, then that's not teaching anything. Not, nothing I want the kids to learn. Take that. Last bit of technology news: If you have a Nintendo Switch, uh, which is right as of right now, pretty up there in terms of like the best piece of technology this year. Uh, you make it Hulu soon. First piece of uh, video on demand software. Oh, Netflix isn't on there yet. No, hmm. Hulu for Nintendo Switch is coming. All right. I'm trying to see hey, if there's a date. Do either of you subscribe to Hulu? Oh. Um, I do. Yeah, I do as well. Is there still a free tier? Mm, on the computer only, I believe. Okay. Uh, their new like interface that came out like a month ago yeah. is awful. Oh. It is so hard to navigate. Uh, so you might need a Nintendo Switch controller to get around this thing because mm-hmm. it is 
it, it's trying to do like personalized recommendations like Netflix does, but its interface I think is is just terrible. So uh, this is great because people that have Hulu Live TV now can have Live TV on their Switch. That's right. Um, it's it's already out, um, and Netflix maybe next. Who knows? Uh, but it's nice value adds for people with the Switch. Rocket League is out for Switch too. Oh, I imagine you, nice. you won't be hearing from Joey for a while. No, no, no. Does he have a Switch yet? Mm, I, don't know. I don't think so. Um, and then finally, uh, if you have an Android phone or an iPhone and you like Pokemon Go, uh, Niantic's next game, uh, AR game, real world game, uh, is going to be. Harry Potter themed. This sounds cool to me. It sounds know. real cool to me too. I mean, I'm I'm more into Harry Potter than Pokemon. You know, I mean, on the scale of things I'm into, it's higher. And um, I'm, I'm up for having wizarding battles yeah. on random street corners in the middle of the night. I do it. <laughs> yeah, that would be interesting. Like, what if you can do different motions and it does different spells? I mean, Niantic doesn't change much awesome. of the mechanics of their game going back to Ingress. They've only done two games. Right? I mean, well, so much of Pokemon Go was built on top of Ingress in terms yeah, of seeing the, the data. And expect it, the same what, thing with Harry Potter. Whoa, whoa, whoa. This is a Pokemon gem. It's not a wizard school. Get out of here, you <laughs> wizards. I'm here catching Pokemon. <laughs> what is this on my map? All right. I don't know. It sounds good to me. And I think that does it for technology news. Uh, before we move on to our next segment, I want to thank again the sponsor of this week's episode of This Is Only a Test, and that is Squarespace. If you're ready to start your new business, make it stand out with Squarespace. They have beautiful templates created by world-class designers, and Squarespace makes it easy to turn your idea into a new and unique website. You can showcase your work, blog, you can publish content or sell products and services in just a few clicks. Customize everything from look and feel to using beautiful templates and also, like my favorite part, no programming or upgrades ever required. Everything is optimized for mobile right out of the box and you get analytics to help you grow in real time. And uh, if you have any question though, Squarespace's award-winning 24-7 customer support is there to help. The future is coming. Make it brighter with Squarespace. Now head over to squarespace.com for a free trial. When you're ready to launch, use the offer code TEST, T-E-S-T, to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Once again, that's squarespace.com with the code TEST. Now it's time for a moment of science. All right, usually when I get push notifications from the AP on my phone, it's usually bad news. The, last night, though, it's a little bit different. We had our first case of scientists using human gene editing or gene editing in a human being. It's in Chicago. There is a gentleman there. He's 44 years old. He has a metabolic syndrome called Hunter syndrome. And Hunter syndrome is basically where he has a gene that is... Um, not functioning properly that doesn't allow him the ability to process carbohydrates normally. And that sounds um, somewhat simple, but it has some massive ramifications. Like some basic functions don't work anymore. And people with this disease usually die within a few years of of emerging with this disease, um, including like having ramifications like brain damage, Right now, the treatment is this sort of infusion treatment that costs between a hundred and four hundred thousand dollars a year. 
uh, and it's not entirely effective at preventing the brain damage. So essentially, uh, a most year pe- for the rest of their life. For the rest of their life, most God. of the people that have this condition are bound in their wheelchair, completely dependent until they pass away. So he's sort of an outlier that he's lived this long with this condition, and so they're trying uh, an edit to that gene to correct this directly in his system. We won't know for a little while if it worked, um, but for a case like this, this is what gene editing was born for, this technology. This is a person that clearly has a gene that's wrong, um, that that is sort of the, that is mutated, and we need to fix it, otherwise he's going to die. What's the mechanism to change a gene like that? This is the CRISPR system where we basically take um, an RNA and use the Cas system to find a specific area on a DNA strand and clip it out and replace it with something else. But don't you have your your DNA in all of your cells? Do they, they don't all need to be changed. For him, they have to be changed in a lot of places. Oh, well, that's incredible. Mm-hmm. Because he is an adult. Did in you, an embryo, it's a very different situation. Mm. Did because then you, the cells divide and proliferate that DNA that's been edited. Mm. Did either of you uh, watch um, Adam and Neil deGrasse Tyson's talk at uh, their panel at New York Comic Con where they discussed this at length? Uh, discuss the ethics of, of gene editing and like you know a lot of some people grow up I and mean, we're talking not talking about life or death situations but you know it's how do, how do you get avoid having how do you avoid having designer babies and yeah, what I, is that bare minimum that you want to make sure that people have I didn't watch this and this is an interesting conversation because um, in this case I don't think many people have ethical concerns about this particular case none of these edits are ever going to go beyond this gentleman's body they're just there but when you start editing germline cells cells that actually pass on to another human now you're passing on an edit to another generation which is going to keep passing it on for generations to come now you have real ethical ramifications uh to discuss about the proliferation of that change i mean people say unintended consequences uh it also brings up designer babies which i think is actually a metaphor that's too far here it's really thinking about just the proliferation of edits like a butterfly when we don't know how how far those will go i mean sort of well isn't it real different when you think about if you if we edit uh dna using a technology that's only five years old and it's going to pass down generation to generation doesn't that make you feel just a little bit different about the technology than if we just edit one guy's dna Who's going to die? But you're not talking about procreation passing on. You're talking about germ changes that would potentially be passed through the air. No, 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 no. Germline okay. means through procreation. Oh, okay, okay. Well, that's okay. I'm okay with that. You know, I mean, if it's the right kind of changes, I mean, that isn't that what you want to change? You don't want this type of thing to be passed on. Yeah, but it, it, when we're talking about diseases like this, that's one thing. When we're talking about editing you know norm's dna so he has blue eyes yeah i know no, that's not good. right that's not good but there's all sorts of stuff in between those two contacts for norm contacts will, just <laughs> contacts will so- solve it i also want to highlight there and i'll put a link in the show notes uh the first ever atomic spectroscopy movie of CRISPR in action yeah. so you can actually see the movie of it doing the cut on the dna uh, it doesn't have the special effects of like a Weta film, but it's still pretty remarkable yeah. to actually see it in real time over about 20 seconds, actually see it actually enact a cut um, on the DNA. When, Our, w- when will we know if it's successful? 
uh, uh, on this gentleman, you mean? Yeah. I don't think for a couple, a few weeks at okay. this point. Hey, that's not bad. Great. Um, we'll tune back in. All right. Do you ever watch Seinfeld? <laughs> I did. Yeah. Do you remember when Kramer went swimming in the East River? Oh. Like he, he got tired of swimming at the gym because it was, it was too busy. So he started going swimming in the East River. Mm-hmm. And he's... And he slept on a mattress and got all funky because who swims in the East River? It's all full of crap. So uh, there's some truth to that. The rivers around New York are pretty polluted. There are wastewater treatment plants that sit on the edge of those rivers that push out um, their treated water. And even though it's treated, it still carries pollutants. In fact, they push out anywhere from a thou- like around 1,000 metric tons of nitrogen into the Bronx River each year. This one plant, the Hunt Hunt wastewater treatment plant. Well, scientists have been working on how do we actually capture some of that so it's less polluted and clean up this river. And one idea that relates to an upcoming Science of Progress episode was actually using mussels for this. Uh, mussels, the, the little bivalve creatures yep. that are essentially water filters. So they developed a mussel that is um, not, it, it's not inedible, but it doesn't taste real good, let's just say. It has like a secretion of this enzyme that makes it taste bad. And they attached it around a six by six barge, uh, a little downstream from this wastewater plant. And it actually picked up around like 60 pounds of nitrogen. Oh. oh. And so they calculated out if you had like a little army of barges, it would take about 100 full size barges mm-hmm. with these muscles just plant, you know, basically on the side of this that you could start to pull out meaningful amounts of nitrogen and clean up the river. Mm -hmm. And then once those mussels matured, you would grind them up and they would turn into chicken feed. Okay, and that's healthy for chickens? Uh, I don't know the answer to that. But I don't think it's unhealthy for chickens. But the idea is you'd have to (laughs) essentially come up with a farm to grow new mussels to replant on these barges. All right. I love the idea of this. Biological solution. I like it. I thought you were going to go to fracking with this because I heard a shocking story on NPR Let's about how the EPA, have, there was a family who, who was, uh, their house was located near a fracking you know, plant and their son took a bath and was covered in this rash and it turned out that fracking water had gotten into their, their oh, water. Dang. And, and the EPA had these studies that they had done that showed that there were potentially devastating biological effects to fracking solutions, uh, the water that's used at... And uh, and they hadn't released th- these findings. Hmm. I don't know this particular story, but um, those fracking fluids that Jeremy is referring to are usually they inject additional fluids beyond the water into yeah. the frack to create higher hydraulic pressure down there to actually induce the actual cracking of the the shale or whatever they're trying to crack down below. And those fluids are supposed to be collected either in these these sort of like you know sludge ponds. Um, or just sort of recycled through the system. But once they're down in those pockets, they can get added to the the water treatment table depending on how the crack works. Um, And then they come up in different quantities. So it sounds like, in this case, a pretty high concentration came out. Yeah, apparently apparently in this case, actually there was some illegal dumping of the water involved too. Mm -hmm. Very bad news. But the fact that that the findings weren't released about what, this these chemicals can do to the human body. And that's, it's a little, it seems like Aaron Brockovich kind of stuff. There's that's for another moment of science. So yeah. We can talk about yeah, yeah. that um, because there's a lot to say about that. Okay, quantum computing. We've heard about it. So the basic idea 
of quantum computing is instead of ones and zeros, we can have a one, mm. a zero, yes, or a one and a zero at the same time. What? <laughs> quantum no. superposition. You mean a ten? <laughs> Not a ten. Well, they need to teach this in kindergarten, where kids are just like, okay, yeah, yeah, that, sure, that, that makes sure. sure. Quantum superposition, it's fine. So at a low number of quantum bits or qubits, um, that's not a big deal, but that scales exponentially. So at 50 qubits, because of the exponential scale, you can essentially do the processing of 10 quadrillion bits. That's a huge number. (laughs) (laughs) The reason that number is important is because that is um, not 10 quadrillion bits. You can do... 10 quadrillion states. Um, the important number is that's the number that's seen as passing traditional computing power. Mm. So if you can get to 50 qubits, you're there. I was at an IBM lab, I don't know, two months ago where they're developing this and they're they're publicly available and you can actually use services that interact with this. They've released a cloud product that interacts with an eight qubit system. And these quantum computers, by the way, they look like these these kind of weird tiered devices where they're pumping helium three through it to cool it down to like near zero and essentially have a wire that's passing through this area where current doesn't flow in one direction. It flows in both directions at the same time to create the superposition effect, which is real weird. And it only happened near absolute zero. Wow. Um, But anyway, so there are these weird looking devices uh, and there's a race now for what's called quantum supremacy, which oh is what boy. I was talking about, yeah. is this idea of whoever can get to 50 qubits has beaten what traditional computing can handle. And so Google, IBM, Intel, and a number of academic labs from like Yale, Stanford, a bunch of other places are all in this race. And they all released, except Intel, all released papers in the past two weeks about where they are with this. Are they all using the same techniques? For the most part, I mean, there's lots of like very technical differences, but their essential their build is the same because they all have to use the same cooling idea. And are they sharing the information with each other? Yeah, I mean, they're publishing papers, so they're not hiding, but they are hiding information too. Like they're not actively sharing information to get there because there's a lot of money at stake. Right. But this is not going to be anything that reaches even consumer hardware anytime well, soon. Well, like I said, like uh, you can use a cloud service and interact with the IBM 8-qubit um, uh, machine right now. It's not coming to commercial processes. The idea of these quantum computers is never to replace conventional processors. It's to do tasks that conventional computers can't do. Mm. Uh, and these papers are really interesting because it shows that Google came out and said they're at 49. Oh, Wow. We haven't and reached it yet. No IBM scrutiny? said they're at 50 and Google came back and said, no, you're at this like kind of hybrid 49 state. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> Very it's, quantum it's of like them. there's this like crazy um, smack talk going back and forth about, about yeah. this. And so there's also some physics limitations. It isn't like Moore's law where it's like, Oh, 49 to 50. You'll just do that tomorrow. But, um, they are really close to getting there. I want to see a rap battles of history from these guys. <laughs> and that's it for Moment of Science this week. The VR Minute. Virtual reality this week. Bunch of news in VR this week. Let's talk about hardware. Um, we have, of course, from Facebook, the Oculus Go that... 
no, I don't know if developers have them yet, but they should. They said before the end of the year, and that's going to be released next year. But on the HTC side, we'd also been waiting for a headset. They announced mm-hmm. with Google the Daydream, their Daydream headset. Now that headset is going away. No, no more HTC Daydream headset, a standalone headset. And instead, what we're going to get is a Vive standalone headset, six degree of freedom. Now. Bunch of caveats. This oh. is your, uh, Asian markets only, not American markets. No details on other specifications in terms of resolution, just yeah. like uh, field of view or that stuff. But what they did say is that it's six degrees of fr- freedom inside out tracking that will run games on Vive port. And all of this is basically, it sounds very much like a Santa Cruz type equivalent. It runs on a Qualcomm mobile processor, 835 processor. What's their release time frame? They haven't said. Yeah. Now, the other thing that's worrying me a little bit about this is the controllers are three degrees of freedom controllers, not six degrees of freedom controllers. The headset will let you move around in positional space. Yeah. But your hands relative to the headset, just rotational movement. Yeah, the Santa Cruz are tracked. They're tracked. and so, uh, But I think they want to get out ahead of Santa Cruz. Mm-hmm. Uh, so hopefully we'll see something interesting next year. Now, because this is mobile, this is not SteamVR. This is stuff just through Viveport. Yeah, I don't know. I don't feel like we're going to probably end up getting one of these do you in in terms of like in, in next year or just i mean he getting, us had tested just because they're because it's, it's not market? it's not for our market it's not for our market and um you know I, they're not interested in our opinion so yeah. <laughs> harsh um now uh this week actually today as we're recording this if you have invested in a windows mixed reality basically windows vr headset which there are you know, more than half a dozen out there right now including even the samsung odyssey uh, you will be able to tap into your Steam VR games today. Steam VR You're beta kidding. access November fifteenth. No way. Yes way. Wow, that's actually a big deal. It is a big deal. That's what's been holding back the Windows Mixed Reality, and I mean it's a month old at this point, if that. Yeah. So yeah. it's not like they've had chances like have anything happen to them, but it is a big deal that you now have access to all these Steam games. Yes, all users. Previously, it was just for developers and probably developers to get their systems tested out to tweak, see if they need to tweak their games and tracking to work with the range of um, these headsets. But uh, you can just navigate to the VR hub um, and select from the SteamVR software and, and, and activate it. We'll be testing this extensively. That's great. Because I mean, we've been waiting. There's not a lot to do in the Windows, the Cliff House. The yeah. Windows, there's like not even a lot of VR-dedicated apps. So so is there supposed to be 100% compatibility across we don't know. SteamVR? We will have to try. Yeah. We'll try a lot of the, our classics. All right. I mean, it's, the Windows Mixed Reality is an interesting product. It's certainly the setup is the easiest I've seen. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mentioned Coco earlier, um, and there is a new Coco experience, a VR experience, that's now um, on uh, the Oculus platform. Um, so you should check that out. Did you ever try the Blade Runner one? I did not get a chance to try the Blade yeah, Runner either. one. Yeah, Okay. Yeah. Do you think this model of releases related to movies is going to catch on? Totally. Hasn't it already? I mean, I know it's happening. Yeah. That's not what I mean. Is I don't know if the uh, community response has been a lot of enthusiasm with it. I don't know if like, like if that's a part of their, if they care. You know, it's just like they're getting these things out. They, they must use them in some official capacity somewhere at some red carpet event. Like they must just have VR headsets and people try them in line or they show them off. They must like them for some reason that has nothing to do with what Reddit thinks. Hmm. You know, that's my assumption because they keep coming out, and I haven't seen an amazing one yet. 
It'll be Ready Player One. That'll be the winner. If that doesn't work, five. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I, I think you'll be disappointed. Is, is <laughs> with the Coco one. thing? Well, no, with the with the Ready Player One. Oh, with thing. the Ready Player One. Your expectation is yeah, is the Oasis, and you're not going to get the Oasis. There was something for Super Eight. That was like the first one that ever came out, where like there was a developer that actually did some worked with Valve or like used their their engine to oh. to make a Super Eight thing, and it was it was good. Like for the time, it's it was a really surprisingly good. Like you, it was just a story, but it was interactive. Like you walk through the space and you see a monster in in a train, and it's scary. Yeah. Wow. So it can be done. Now, if you're one of the early adopters of HoloLens, uh, you may want to try this out. A developer has ported over the game from the Star Trek TNG episode, The Game, into oh, HoloLens. Oh, no way, dude. Yes. What? Yes. That's, why did this take so long? I don't know. This well, because the, in, in the actual game, you are tapping into your brain synapses and your emotional state. <laughs> And uh, HoloLens doesn't do that. That's but right. there people is, get addicted to, to it. They do. That's great. So it looks like a chessboard, and like like these flute things come up, and and Wesley Crusher gets totally addicted. Run, to Will. It. Run, uh, Will. <laughs> you gotta try uh, this game. So, and uh, we don't recommend like you know quick flashes of light from uh, Android as a yeah. way of breaking away from the game. Why HoloLens? Because they, that's what it, it was, was though. Project, it was a holographic uh, projection. Yeah, I know. But yeah. like Hololens is a professional product. Who has a Hololens? Well, developers who have them want to make things to do with them. This so. is great. This is like uh, I want to play this. Like adventure. Like you know, when you had a mainframe and you could play a game on it. Like that's what this is. Uh, you do have to actually attach a biometric sensor to your thumb that you can you can hold on to, so it does get your uh, <laughs> your emotional funny. state. Where do you get that from? Low stress. Um, and uh, on uh, his website, you go to robburke.net, um, you can see him actually, you can see some video footage of what it looks like from that perspective. That's great. Yeah. Can't wait. Uh, and then uh, finally uh, in VR news, oh, did you see this um, haptic shape illusion video that was on YouTube? Researchers, I want to say in Japan, mm-hmm. uh, I, I may be totally getting that wrong. Haptic shape. I don't know what that means. Uh, University of Tokyo. Yep. Um, oh, I did see this. Yeah. So they've been doing experiments. Oh, whoa. Oh, there you go. Sorry. Uh, they're developing accessories and the idea that how do you create the illusion of holding up something like a big sword yeah. when you have something, when you don't want to actually hold a big sword mm-hmm. in, um, in in the real world. Mm-hmm. And it's all relative to other objects. So they can fool your brain into thinking you're holding something that's larger than it actually is by shifting the center of gravity, and, center, center of mass. Right, and, and creating something with equal or close to mass. Yes, yeah. yes. So uh, with heavier weights, and they, they 3D printed some prototypes, um, and they did some line tests and some VR tests, uh, you can hold something that looks like a ping pong paddle uh, with the weights closer to the top of it, and it'll feel like you're holding a sword. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So yep. if that's true, we should be able to do this with a blindfold. Yeah, totally. Now, of course, you don't get the same type of like uh, no, resistance. No, you resistance. don't get the visual feedback of it. Yes. yes, but also you don't get the wind resistance and like the, yeah. when you're holding this thing. Um, and uh, I think lightsabers doesn't make sense because all the weight's in the hilt anyway. The whole idea is that the, the, the blade is zero weight. Fine, it's photons just, don't weigh anything. Yeah. You yes, don't I know yeah. that. You don't know that. I don't know that. I don't live in the Star Wars universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, it leads to thoughts of like, what if you could create an accessory where the center of mass could shift? Like the maybe the mass maintains the same, but you could shift it up and down. Wow. Then it could look like you could have it represent different objects of different sizes uh. by having some type of dynamic shifting of mass. I don't know. 
Like, you'd really only need that if it was supposed to dynamically shift in-game. It'd be much cheaper. Difference between holding an axe, a heavy axe, you're swinging, versus a light sword. Oh, I see what you mean when you switch weapons. Yeah. It wouldn't take much hmm. to do that. I mean, those those old-school scales that you do where you shift the the weight balance are the same basic idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, something else coming out. So a couple of releases this week. You have Skyrim VR for our PSVR. Mm-hmm. That's coming out this week. It's $60. What do you guys think about that? For real? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man. All right. I mean, you know, it's Skyrim. If you haven't played it, it's uh, there's Skyrim. There's a lot of content there, but I don't know if the experience is going to be worth all that much. I don't think Skyrim will be better in VR. I don't know, dude. I mean, I, I want to play Fallout in VR. I don't know. So I think that game will be better in VR. Why? Because I think looking around helps you in that. How does looking around help you in, in Skyrim? I don't know. You don't need like that, that field of That's view. That's the weirdest comparison. I mean, they're the same game. It's just one sort of post-apocalyptic and one's fantasy. I feel like there's much more stuff coming in. All right, fine. I mean, I do like the building stuff in Fallout, and that that might be interesting in VR. That, mm-hmm. you know, building around you, kind of like the Matrix. But I, I feel like all I want to do in Skyrim is walk around and look around because that world is so much more beautiful to me than the Fallout world. It is more beautiful. All right. I don't know. And then the other big release uh, this week is From Other Suns. Um, and we played a little bit of it. Um, we're gonna play. We were gonna play more last night. What we, happened? No one. No one reached out. I was. Uh, I was at, at my computer. <laughs> you. You didn't reach out. No, I didn't reach out either. <laughs> I, I had work to do. All right. We gotta uh, play more. We of gotta that. play more. I uh, gotta get Kishore. Got now that you have sure. some time. Get we you in there. Must get to Earth. Yes. Uh, and you know the game is a little bit buggy. Some of the AI doesn't work as well. But from what other people have said, it gets much more difficult when you get closer to Earth. It's a promising experience. I dig it. You, you understand the premise? Not at all. A roguelike first person, three person, three person multiplayer game, co op. You're on a ship and you travel across the the galaxy. Oh, all right. Yeah. A, a Firefly Simulator. Yeah. The three of us oh. can Soul. can hold a spaceship and we can um, we can d- uh, rescue other people from pirates. We can defend your stations. We can t- we can yeah. teleport onto the other ships. We can defend our ship from. Is invasions. it bridge crew where you have different stations? Yeah. There, are th- there are three stations where you tactical, comms, uh, travel, and there's some, some M- NPC interaction. Um, but it's a, it's a roguelike, so we got to get to yep. Earth. Got to make it alive. Yeah, can't wait to play. The, the, going back to Fallout and Skyrim, the one thing that would keep me from playing these is lack of social multiplayer. Like Fallout, if they... I mean, I know they can't do it because they designed it as a single-player game, but... If Fallout or Skyrim is successful and Bethesda has the opportunity to create a multiplayer open world VR game or RPG mm-hmm. in VR, I would eat that up. And there's no reason they couldn't simultaneously develop for flat screen consoles and just have multiplayer in whatever the next Elder Scrolls game is, whatever the next Fallout is, and then port that over to VR. I, I feel like at the same time, we're still at a point where there just aren't the player base there isn't the player base in order to support a multiplayer game like that you don't need the player base you could design a game i mean just like on on console games those games are perfectly fine as single player games but if you give the ability just build in this the baseline uh, structure so I you see. can have a second player there for combat for just to chat with someone explore the world yeah that adds so much no, otherwise the, you feel lonely so you don't you just spend skyrim plus multiplayer or Got fallout it. plus multiplayer yeah, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. what i want i don't want i don't even want open, i don't need open world i don't, I don't need mmo mm-hmm. don't need mmo just like a two or two or three or four player fallout all right say please please this week 
Hey, what have you guys been testing? What have you guys been testing? Hmm. I got my fold scope kit in. This is a paper-based microscope. I think it was in my favorite things of last year. They came out with their professional kit. It's uh, the idea of making a 50-cent microscope that can go to third-world countries, and we'll nice. be doing a video on it. So That's great. Um, Kish, or Jeremy, mm. you still have uh, Jedi Challenges AR. Your kids still playing it? Oh, no. Th I, I forgot to mention that I have it. So I, I was asked. Oh, we ha they said, oh, we have this still? I was like, yes. Yes, we still have this. So they will be playing that again, but okay. not, not recently. I I think that I don't think that's that bad of a game. Like I don't know. Like we put up our projections review what yesterday or Monday. Yeah, and people are like, no, that's not for me. I mean, it's not for everybody. But if I was a kid and I had access to this at Christmas time, I'd play it for like you know days and days. Thanksgiving, it's going to be very popular at yeah. Thanksgiving. Yeah, uh, we got in. I didn't bring it into the room today. We got we got our Jibo. Jibo! I can't believe Jibo it's here. I, I can't believe it's here too. I, I every every day I'm going to the office and hey Jibo. Does Will know it's here? I don't think Will knows it's here. I'm, I'm sure he's yelling from Pacifica <laughs> right now. <laughs> we got to bring Will in to to interact with the Jibo. Uh, it's not as it, it's not as capable as an Alexa or even a Cortana. Yeah, it's a little slow in its responses. Its text to speech is I think fantastic. Um. And the limited things it can do well, it does fairly well. You can, people don't know what Jibo is. Jibo was a robot, a home robot that was announced before the Alexa came out. And it was, um, yeah. I believe, an Indiegogo project. So for $400, you could, the promise was to have your own digital assistant, home robot, uh, but it was designed by roboticists who had lots of experience with human-computer interaction, human-robotics interaction. Interesting. And so... It's not like the Alexa in terms of it be looking like a static display. It has a light, has a ring light to know when you're talking to it. It is stationary. And it is stationary. You can run it with batteries or you can unplug it. But it animates. It has a it has, it has a face, it rotates. Well, like no, it, it has a screen, it's a face, screen. and the screen honestly mm -hmm. could be OLED, but Yeah, it's kinda of like it's like Eve from Wally. Yep. Okay. Uh it's a rectangular screen, doesn't blend perfectly into the shape, but it's two axes of rotation are charming as hell. Yeah, and it can spin 360. Yeah. So that's kind of neat. My limited interactions with it were like, if the content on the screen was better, yeah. this would be... If it could tap into Alexa, yeah, it would be amazing. Amazon doesn't let you tap into Alexa voice only. You have to use a button. So you can't activate it by saying the magic word if, wow. you're, if you're a third party. Well, that's a problem. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe they, That's could, okay. they could bless it. Like, they could say, okay, you guys can do it. No, no, I, I'd be okay if it, if, even if it required... A, a touch because it has a touch screen. Um, but I uh, don't like the touching its head to make it stop. Yeah, feels, feels a little, little weird. parental. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but even when you're not um, actively talking to it, it'll just kind of look around. It has a passive animation that makes it feel alive. I really dig it. I don't think it's worth it, but I really dig it. <laughs> D like, what can, does it know things? Like, can I ask it to Wikipedia things? You can ask it to, you can read the news, uh, sports scores, timing of things, restaurants near you. Weather. Weather. Yeah. Does that read out on the screen? It does in addition to, uh, actually, no. Some of it does, not all of it does. It has a camera, so it can take pictures of you. Huh. Um, there aren't a lot of, the ideas. is that it, like, it'd be great if we could do games. Like, if we could do games with children. 
Yeah. Like Simon says or that kind of stuff. Like yeah. even simple things. I think there's a lot of potential here. Yeah. But they were more caught up in the just getting this out to people who'd backed it, who'd paid a couple hundred bucks for it. Cool. So well, I think you and and Jibo should do the podcast next week. It will definitely be here for the podcast next week. All right. It'll be looking around. Quite frankly, you'll get better reviews than on me and Jeremy. <laughs> well, there you go. Something to look forward to next week. We'll be uh, with a special guest. We'll, we'll have a special guest on the podcast. Um, that does it for this week, though. Um, this is only a test. Been a lot of, a lot of things to talk about. Um, oh, hey, tonight, the new Mythbusters relaunches. Yes. Yes. On Science Channel. On so. Science Channel. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually check it out. And I don't know how many other people are going to I believe that. the first act of the show is on Facebook, on their Facebook channel, too, mm-hmm. if you want to just watch that online on your phones. Um, but uh, next week is Thanksgiving. Um, I know Jeremy and you and Kishore are both traveling next week, so yes. we'll see you after that. But Look I will for be me here. On, on CNN one of the in those videos of people storming stores on Sto- Black storming, Friday. Storming Best Buy kiosks at airports. Yeah. Yes. Got to get those earbuds. Got to get those battery packs. And I hope you all have a wonderful Thanksgiving. But I'll, I'll be here to, to see you guys, and we'll chat next week about all sorts of things. Uh, do we have an outro this week? We do. I can't find the new one, so we'll have to go back to that. But here, all right. Here we're we going to go with an old one. Well, no, it's not. A, five days old from Michael Buccheroni. Hi there. I didn't see you. Pass it. Balls in his mouth, all the balls come out of his mouth. This is turning into an outro. But there are oh, our hands. I don't, know. Uh, I don't know what that is. All right, and so it did. Good God! All right, <laughs> all right, bye.